Welcome to the Gold Standard here on the 440 Sports Network. My name is Braden Gall. You can follow me on Twitter at Braden Gall. And I'm Adam Vingan on Twitter at Adam Vingan. Of course, go to The Athletic, pay for good journalism, subscribe. That's where you can find all of Adam's work. We will get to... The latest piece up on The Athletic, which is about some of the expansion stuff, which, of course, is coming in the summer of 2021. Uh, So we'll get to some of that. Also, a follow-up conversation about name searching that we will have on the show. Really thankful that that somebody um, took our conversation to heart and contributed to this conversation that we're going to have. So we'll get to that in a little bit as as well. Uh, But first, Adam, we do have... And you can just... Jump in and correct me whenever I screw this up because we do. It, there's a chance we could have an NHL season. <laughs> um, it looks like, and you can again tell me if I'm getting the names. I and- just want to preface this by saying I am not an expert on any business <laughs> slash economical, economical, economical economics. Like I, whatever. Economically. Economic I don't know. Yeah. Basically, <laughs> you're asking the wrong guy to, to fact check you on so, these okay. things, but I'll do my best. So don't use the word memorandum of understanding. Well, that I'm familiar with. Okay. What about uh, Board of Governors? Yes. You good with that one? Collective bargaining agreement. Yes. Okay. I can handle all of those. How about the NHLPA's executive board? I can handle that. You can do that one? Okay. So Just don't ask me about escrow. <laughs> so... I, I just don't know anything about escrow. Here's the gist of what happened. Uh, and if you listen to last week's episode with Scott Burnside, of course, he kind of explained all of this stuff. But what happened is, is and what we said on last week's episode, Adam, is that there needs to be movement quickly. It appears that there has been movement quickly. Uh, apparently, and word kind of started leaking out late Monday night into Tuesday. We're recording on Tuesday afternoon that both sides have largely kind of just agreed to what they already agreed to in June when they signed the new CBA extension. Um, that was going to be part of the return to play tournament. Th- basically, none of the details have been finalized. But what appears to be the case is that camps will open around the start of New Year, that they are targeting a January 13th date to start the season or thereabouts, and that it looks like it's going to be around a 56 game season. Everything else is still sort of up for negotiations at this point, correct? Does that sound about right? Yes. And just to be clear, so that I don't sound even stupider than I did before, I will read uh, from this story from Emily Kaplan on ESPN.com. Quote, NHL owners informed the players that they're looking for additional cash flow to start the season. Shortly before Thanksgiving, the owners brought two ideas forward. Players taking even more deferred compensation past the 10% they already agreed to this past summer and accepting changes to the escrow cap. While players were frustrated by the idea of changing a financial agreement that was agreed upon just five months ago, (laughs) they told the league they would be willing to budge if they could get some concessions in return. So the players brought several ideas forward to the league, though sources say the league didn't seem interested in any of them. So for now, the memorandum of understanding on the collective bargaining agreement will remain in place and discussions are only about divisional alignment, protocols, and schedules. So basically, yeah, as you mentioned, what did all that mean? Adam? In conjunction with the return <laughs> to play, the the postseason that started in early August, the NHL and NHL Players Association agreed to the framework of a new collective bargaining agreement. And four months later, I believe it was the owners basically said, "No, this won't fly." Now. Under, I get, you know, while I, as we've, I think we've discussed this in the past, 
though I do talk a lot, so maybe it wasn't you who I discussed it with. <laughs> I don't have much sympathy for millionaires and billionaires. No, that was with me. That was with you. Okay, yeah, I probably said that to multiple Because I agree with you. Yes, I don't have much sympathy for millionaires, and I have even less sympathy for billionaires. But I can understand where owners, ownership in the NHL might be coming from in the sense that perhaps they thought by now we would be further along in the recovery from the coronavirus, hmm. both health, you know, health-wise and economics-wise. But as we that's, know, that's cute. That's not the case. So it it seems silly ultimately that the season, so the start to the season has been delayed, and after a couple of weeks of bickering, they're like, we're just gonna keep what we have in place all along and move on. Um, Which technically means the players kind of won this round of negotiation, I guess. It means they didn't have to give up anything more to get the the season back on. Now, both sides still have to vote on all this stuff and all the particulars. So what's interesting about this is, I guess, in theory, you know, to change divisions, for example, and I think this was in Pierre Lebrun's column on The Athletic, that to change divisions, you need a two-thirds majority of votes. So in theory, there could be some vote stalling happening. But again, that's also in the owner's worst self-interest because then there's no season at all. So the idea is to get people back on the ice so that we can make both sides can make some money. Yes. And look, it's going to be difficult for NHL teams to make money if they aren't having fans in the building. They're they are going to lose money. And you know, there have been reports that there have been owners who said who have said that we will lose less money by not playing than if we were to play under an empty, you know, play under you know, these circumstances. Is that posturing? Probably because my, I guess what I, you know, my understanding, if I have this correctly, is that there has to be, you know, the board of governors has to approve teams pulling out of the season. And it sounds like it's an all or nothing proposition. Either you all are in or nothing's happening. So those, those teams that feel that they're going to lose money by playing versus not playing are sort of SOL. Which to me, this speaks to, the main issue in television popularity for the NHL, because if you look at every other sport, essentially the, the cost of keeping the building open or the house open or whatever phrase you want to use, because there's a cost involved obviously in running the arena or the building or the stadium or whatever is so that you can get your TV partners, a product that they can go sell to advertisers. And that is why college football has been through all the things it's been through, why the NFL is doing what it's doing, why all these leagues are willing to sort of, work their way into this and force the action on the field ice court because their television partners desperately need it. And right now the NHL is one of the only sports in the, in, in American big picture sports that is actually going to be renegotiating that contract specifically. And so what is the draw eyeballs for the, for NHL games in a regular season versus the cost of keeping those arenas open? There, there's a lot of calculus going on. Right. And again, of all of the college courses I took during four <laughs> years at the American University, microeconomics, I think, was the worst grade I got in four years. So when you're talking about money and finances and economics, I'm the wrong person to talk about. Quite frankly, I just want there to be a season so I can actually write about d- new things. You're so selfish. I know. I am very I'm selfish. Ca- I can't wait for Kraken Expansion Draft 6.0 from yes. Adam Bingen. <laughs> well, we'll get there, um, <laughs> certainly, before the team comes into the league, uh, not this coming season, but the following season. But, you know, the NHL, and we talked about this with Scott last week, the NHL cannot afford not, cannot afford not to play. Yeah. Um, you know, it, 
yes, you're talking about the TV deal that's coming up. But when you look around the rest of the the sports landscape, you know, the NBA is opening training camp now. They're going to be playing regular season games in two weeks. Um, the NFL, though it has had its issues, is continuing to play their season. College football, again, also plenty of issues in college football, but they're still, even more. They're issues. they're they're trudging along. You know, the NHL. They are limping to the finish. They line. are limping to the finish line. The NHL at least has to give it a shot. If they were not to play this season, you know, look, we love hockey. That's why we have a podcast about hockey. I know where That's, you're going here with this. Yes. But by and large, the NHL, in terms of popularity in the sporting landscape in North America, specifically the United States, is not that high. And anything that can ruin any goodwill they've done over the past several years will only will only make it worse, I, if you know what I'm saying. Yeah, and I think... There's some things you can do to mitigate those costs. Let's say, hypothetically, if you were only having to open your building for smaller chunks of time instead of like a normal NHL schedule, which would be, you know, three days on, four, you know, two days off, two days on, you know, whatever the regular schedule is where you're traveling to four different locations. So, again, if you're not traveling a lot and you're not opening up the buildings for extended periods of time or for shorter windows, maybe there's some cost in there. I'm, I, like you, am not a good micro or macroeconomics guy, but here's how I do the math in my head. The long-term ramifications of not playing a season this year are greater financially for the owners and players and fans and, and teams than any short-term revenue loss by keeping your building open without fans to play a couple games. Yes. Th- that, to me, is the is the is the only equation that you need to know about. Yes, right? I, I completely agree. And, and we will see what the NHL decides to do. You know, we, we saw the NBA, which was interesting. I, they released the first half of their schedule, not the entire schedule, just the first half of their schedule. And if you look at the schedule, there are more back-to-backs baked into the schedule. They have baseball-style series baked into the schedule as well, where you play the same team two or three times in a row. Um, I'm not sure how many times they have those in the schedule, but I know that they are a part of it, if I am not mistaken. Um, so, I, you know, you have to wonder what, you know, how that factors into building availability, as you said. He who is flexible in 2020, I guess now 2021, shall not be bent out of shape. Ex- okay. that's That that's, is the key here. That's a solid, what do you call that? A, a, I don't know. Uh, I don't even know who I stole it from. I think I stole it from Dan Hawkins. So you're saying that's that's too too um, too creative to be original for you? <laughs> Is that what you're saying? I I am not creative enough to be original. How about that? Uh, but that's been my motto, and I think it's the right motto for every professional or college sports team, league, conference that is trying to schedule things in the middle of a raging pandemic, which is to be flexible. Everyone just be flexible. And again, it looks like 56 games starting probably January 13th. There's a a million things that have yet to be decided, which would be roster size. You mentioned it, the scheduling flexibility. What about players that want to opt out? (laughs) Like we haven't even gotten to that yet. Well, I think that is less likely than, first of all, there weren't too many opt outs during the return to play. The most notable 
example of someone opting out was Tuka Rask, the Bruins starting goaltender who actually entered the bubble and then and then left. Um, and I have to imagine, not to say that there won't be, but I have to imagine if we are if we are expecting teams to open in their own home buildings and they're not going to be encased in a bubble, that opt-outs are less likely because they will be able to spend time with their families. I so because the irony about the entire NHL situation is that they did the bubble the best of anybody, and now the NBA they're the, did a pretty damn good job they, too. They did, but at the beginning there, there was and there was a few moments of bringing in friends. Let's call them my, into well, the NBA bubble. Well, my favorite NBA bubble moment was the player who who I cannot remember at this point. He was not a a, a star player. He was a, a role player, a reserve player for one of the teams in the bubble who had to stay in quarantine longer because he left the perimeter to like pick up Popeye's, <laughs> you know, he went too far out of the bubble to right. pick up his DoorDash. Right. Um, and, I, and I hope the pop, I think it was Popeye's. It might've been chicken. No free shouts. Anyway. Um, better be, for the Popeye's chicken sandwich, I might break quarantine, but actually my anyway. favorite instance of uh, breaking <laughs> quarantine protocol happened in the NFL. The player who dressed a a, a woman in, uh, I believe, in Seahawks paraphernalia. It was a Seahawks player in training camp uh, and snuck her into his room. There were a few friends that that, that broke into the NBA bubble. The point is, the irony, the the point is, is that the NHL probably handled, I think it was what, zero positives? There were zero positives. The NHL did their bubble better than anybody else did their bubble by definition. And now they are still the last one to sort of reconvene the following season. And again, not just the opt-out options, but also what does the schedule look like? When's the trade deadline? How big is the play? How big are the playoffs going to be? What happens to the seven teams that were told that they could have extra, you know, camp time because they haven't been on the ice since March. There's a lot of stuff that still needs to be worked out. And we assume that you may be already listening to this when the NHL has made an announcement of all of this stuff. But the bottom line is it looks like the season's coming mid January, like we talked about and that fans can get excited about probably having hockey back about that time, and that the season's going to be about 56 games and probably end eh, around the same time a regular season would end normally, right? Later. A little bit later? I mean, under normal circumstances, the NHL regular season ends in early April. I mean, I think this could extend into May. There's also talk of them maybe building some buffer weeks into the end of the schedule in case games need to be made up, but... It is also possible that there are teams that are not going to play 56 games if there if there right. is a, a, a coronavirus outbreak and it's going to be on points percentage again, just as it was this past summer, uh, to determine who makes the playoffs. Not but, not to you know again we haven't even mentioned any of the the facts that like the San Jose Sharks could not in theory play a game in their building right, right. now. Exactly. We don't know what the country to country protocols are going to be. I well, know I, I know uh, the Canadian teams will be separated, but right. again. You know, it's all just stuff that has to be. There was out. a report today that Winnipeg, which had, Manitoba has some strict um, guidelines regarding um, congregating, but it sounds like the the government in Winnipeg, excuse me, in Manitoba, is going to allow the Jets to train in Winnipeg. Um, so that was one hurdle. But you're right, the San Jose Sharks, Santa Clara County, California, as we know, the San Francisco 49ers recently played a home game in Glendale, Arizona, which is not where they live. Um, the San Jose Spartans, yes. San Jose State Spartans, who are San Jose, yes, they had to play in Hawaii because huh. they couldn't play their college football game. They're five and zero 
And they could not play their Wait, game. Did they, did they, who did they play in Hawaii? Hawaii. Oh, okay. <laughs> but they were supposed to play them in San Jose? Yes, so okay. they had to move the I was game. about to say, if I was displaced because yeah. of coronavirus, I would play my home games in Hawaii, too. It reminds me the Hawaii of, uh, Sharks. It there does remind me, and this is a complete non sequitur before we get to expansion. Can't wait. Um, I remember being in college. Um, I think I can't remember what year it was, but I remember being in a class with someone who transferred to my school from the University of Hawaii. Now, he came a long way. I went to school in Washington, D.C., and he went to the University of Hawaii, which is in Honolulu. Is that correct? I'm not. Uh, is it on the big island or is it in that, Honolulu? That I don't know. I can check. But either way, I, I remember saying to him, you know, when he told me he transferred from Hawaii, I said, why would you ever decide to leave Hawaii? And he said, if you went to school in Hawaii, would you ever go to class? And I said, <laughs> probably not. And he goes, well, that's why I had to transfer because he wasn't going to class. I, I believe so. It's in it, the core um, is in is in Honolulu, but I believe they have sort of like satellite campuses. satellite campuses all across but all the, the main islands. campuses in Honolulu. Yes, the main campuses okay. in Honolulu. Anyway, expansion. Now that we got that solved. Speaking of Hawaii, oh, let's talk do, about Seattle. You want to do some expansion? So, sure. So Let, let's break this down. So, so you have my <laughs> you have my story up on your computer. This is just, like the fifth time you've done this, right? Well, it's the fifth time we've all done it. So Eric Duhatchik, who is a senior columnist at The Athletic, and Ryan Clark, who covers the Seattle Kraken, next week are going to be doing their fit. Well, it's going to be the fifth overall. I, I think Eric has done all of them, but now Ryan, who covers the Kraken, is going to get involved. A Seattle Kraken mock expansion draft. So in preparation for said mock expansion draft, you get to play the role of GM. All of the nice. local writers were asked to create their own protection lists. Oh, I can't wait to yell at you like you're David Poyle. So I uh, posted mine yesterday. I actually went. I actually went a little bit further. I decided to do two protection lists. A because of course there are two ways that teams can protect players. There's the eight skater which is any combination of forwards and defensemen. So it can be four forwards, four defensemen. I believe it was the New York Islanders in 2017 who protected three forwards and five defensemen. But any combination of eight skaters and one goaltender or seven forwards, three defensemen, and one goaltender. So, of course, the Predators three years ago did the eight skater option protecting their top four defensemen, Roman Yossi, Ryan Ellis, Matias Eckelman, P.K. Subban. And their top and then their top line, Ryan Johansson, James Neal, <laughs> oh. Ryan Johansson, Philip Forsberg, and Victor Arvidsson, and then Cali Yarncroft over James Neal. Um, so <laughs> I did a so I did the four four and one option and the seven three and one option just to see what would happen. So the floor is yours. All right. So the eight skater one goalie option, of course, involves the top four defensemen: Ekholm, Ellis, Fabro, Yossi. Yes. You then went with the Johansson line. Yes. Which I still have yet to call. The, the other thing. The other thing I, since you've told me this. Yes. So I've not called it that. Arvidsson, Forsberg, Johansson, Duchesne, and mm -hmm. UC Soros. Yes. The other option, of course, is the, the seven, seven three and one. Seven three and one, which is not including. So this is the trade off you're making. Yes. So this is what I'll before I because I've got a wild card zinger I'd like to throw in there, and I know you've got one as well. All right. But the the trade off you are making by going from the eight and one to the ten and one thing. Mm hmm is going to be probably Matias Ekholm because Yossi has a no-movement clause. You know, Ellis and Fabro's very young, and, and you're going to sign him to a new deal at the end of this season. So, again, 
it's 31-year-old Matthias Ekholm who's going to go up in cost. That is, you're trading off for, in your approach, Colton Sissons, Callie Yarncroke, and Luke Cunning. Yes. Those are the three skaters you protect in exchange for not protecting Matthias Ekholm. Yes. On its surface, I don't like that trade-off, hmm. but... There are two wild cards to consider here. Okay. Before we make our final verdict on let's this. Make, let's hear the wild cards. Because you wrote a, you continued to write in your story about the Ryan Johansson contract and how it has not aged particularly well. I would like to throw another name into this mix. All right. Could you make a case to leave Matt Duchesne unprotected? Well, you could because he has the same contract as Ryan Johansson in terms of cap hit. And the both. no movement clause doesn't kick in until 2023, yes. I believe. It, yes, he does, He has, you know, to be super specific, a modified no trade clause, which starts in 2023. Now, modified no trade clauses do not protect players from expansion anyway. But I just wanted to be clear for those reading that Matt Duchesne does not have to be protected. The only player on the Predators roster that has to be protected is Roman Yossi. That's so, the, he's the only one. So I know you made a case for maybe Ryan Johansson being involved in the thought process of David Poyle or whoever might be in charge of but the to, team at to that use point. But to, you, to, to further your question, because, look, we as you've mentioned, we've done this exercise a lot of times. Yes. And in the comments section of previous exercises, and even in the comments section of this particular story— <laughs> You know, I this is the first, I just want to preface this by saying this is the voice I use to mimic everybody. So I use it to mimic my wife. I use it to mimic my mom. Ooh. So this is the voice I use to mimic everybody. You are, a but in wed. the comment section, I hear I can't wait to get rid of Ryan Johansson. Like, do you I, use that voice with your wife? Yeah, honestly. Yeah, I don't use wow. it a lot. I was gonna say that you got some stones on you, man. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, I, I I know what would happen to me immediately. The point, <laughs> after the point, saying that to my wife, you know, that aside, <laughs> um, I understand where fans are coming from. We talked about a few episodes ago the play the the fan survey I did, and we talked about how the fans' confidence in Ryan Johansson has almost completely eroded. That now that Kyle Turris is no longer on the roster. Ryan Johansson. <laughs> Who are we going to focus on? <laughs> Ryan Johansson is the Predators' number one, Predators fan base, fan base's number one whipping boy. Like, there's no one, there's no one left to be like, well, there's still Kyle Turris. Kyle Turris yeah, is gone. Right, right. So now it's Ryan Johansson, I feel like. And Matthew okay. Shane, Matthew Shane is in that conversation well, too. Because let me make the case for Matthew Shane. All right, let's he, hear it. Here it is. I think Ryan Johansson's a better player and his contract is shorter. That's by one, my, by that's, one year. That's my case. That's it? That, but, I mean, that's not bad. I mean, one I, I think he at their best, I think Ryan Johansson is a better hockey player than Matt Duchesne. And he has one less year on his contract. No, so I would argue. So you're freeing up money to yes. re-sign Matthias Ekholm by, used by, by putting either one of them as available. I think you're almost guaranteed that someone would take Matt Duchesne. So I think Seattle would take Matt Duchesne almost instantly if he's available. And you don't think they would take Ryan Johansson? I don't know. To your point in your story, you might have to do some negotiating there. So the, the point is, you're, you're guaranteeing protection to essentially Matthias Ekholm and Colton Sissons, which is who I would replace Matt Duchesne with. I would okay. go with the eight by one. and I, I would, might replace him with Luke Cunning. And that and that may be true. And maybe we learn more about Cunning as I see him develop. Because again, I know he's got the upside first round pick. I got all that. But I want to see it before I... Understood. So either, either way, you could protect one of the other players that you like. And Ekholm, assuming 
only assuming that you're re-signing him. If the plan is to not re-sign him, then all bets are off. You protect all the other guys. You let Ekholm. I just get when drafted. I when I look at I I mean I understand that and look you can you can leave Ryan Johansson and or Matt Duchesne exposed and basically protect your whole roster. You could, but then you could also you know with the understanding that their contracts are too rich and they aren't good enough. To, this is again assuming that this coming season, if and when it starts they do not rebound from their underwhelming performances. If Ryan Johansson and Matt Duchesne have great seasons next season, yeah, oh, you're yeah. Not, then then you're going to protect them. But if they if they don't bounce back, your 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 thought process might be, well, they're not you know, Seattle is not going to hitch their wagon to 4 years of Ryan Johansson at 8 million dollars if he's playing like this. It's almost like you're daring them to take him. Um and I can and and I can see the same thing with Duchesne. Yeah, exactly. And you could except for he's maybe I don't know. Again, to to me, if I'm Seattle, I I see the idea of taking Duchesne. I don't know. It's hard to. I'm going to make a bold prediction right now, my friend. Here's my bold right. prediction because, and and I preface this by saying I'm terrible at predictions. You can ask the West End McDonald's Bicentennial. Was it by that Centennial Park, right? The one by yeah, West. Yeah. Yeah. Bicentennial Park yeah. is, is the one downtown. Germantown. Yeah. Yes. But, you know, near, let's say that near Centennial Park. So I'm not <laughs> saying by Centennial Park. You can ask the West End McDonald's near Centennial Park how bad I am at making predictions because I predicted the Predators would win their qualifying round series in five games and they put it on their marquee and I was wrong. So you can ask. Oh, but you got on the marquee though. I did get on the marquee. So here's my bold prediction. My my this this season the 2021 season because none of it's going to happen in 2020 the 2021 season will be Matthias Ekholm's final season as a member of the Nashville Predators. That's my bold prediction okay. because look no so so Ekholm has one has two years left on his contract okay. so he will be under contract for one season entering Seattle's first season so Seattle's so if he were to be so he, he a member the of criteria. the Kraken. He would be on an expiring contract playing for Seattle. Yep, yep. It's not he would not be a free agent. Because if he were a free agent, it would be easier because then you just wait until the expansion draft I, is over and then you resign. I protect Ekholm and I and I uh, I leave Matt Duchesne unprotected. Okay. That's the contract. That's he's fair. not your first line That's center, fair. he's your second line center. He's got a longer contract with more money and he's older. And I don't think he's as good at his at his best. Maybe I'm reading too much into this. Do you think if you are a free first of all, we know this. The Predators don't really spend a whole lot of money in free agency. They're not the team that's, you know, they're not the team getting the big name free agents. That's just not how they operate. I mean, Matt Duchesne, excuse me, was, you know, one of the bigger names that they've signed in free agency, perhaps in their franchise history, when you consider the amount of money they signed him for as well. If I don't are, think there's been a bigger free agent signing than him in if, his prime. If you are a... Future free. I mean, all players are future free agents. But if you were a player coming in to, you know, approaching free agency and you see the Predators, you know, leave Matt Duchesne exposed after two seasons. I know it's a it's a it's a different circumstance because how many expansion drafts are there going to be in the future? Right. But like, do you look at that and go? Because there were people who were wondering. You could call Matthew it savvy. You could call it shrewd GMing, though. You could say, "Look, we right. just we dared people. We dared Seattle not to take him, right? And they did, and that sucks for us. Right. Like you could spin it a million different ways. Right. You, I think you can spin. If you think Matthias Ekholm, at whatever cost, is still good for five more really good hockey seasons, 
I, I, I'd like, I to, I'd like ha- to have that commodity a, on my this team. This is a team that's trying to get younger. This is a I team know. that's trying to get younger. So maybe the 29-year-old centerman have, is they the have, way to go? They have committed more than $15 million combined in cap space to Roman Yossi and Ryan Ellis for like the next seven years. I mean, you can't sign Matias Ekholm, who will be 31, 32 when his contract it, is up. He'll be 31 in, I think, at the spring he, He'll of be 31 contract. in May. So he'll be 32 when his contract expires. You can't sign a 32-year-old Matias Ekholm to a, a to a rich contract, if especially in a flat cap world. Yeah, I it's see what ju- you're saying. It just doesn't make a whole lot of sense. So, I mean, it's going to be – It's look, to be frank, it he would hasn't, suck. He hasn't shown a single ounce of slowing down, though. He, in fact, he's gotten he's better the last good. two years. He's very good. I just think of <laughs> I just think of the other players that they're <sighs> that they're going to have to sign. I mean, think about this. Like I was thinking about this the other day. So Pecorine By the way, Matt Duchesne turns thirty probably right around the time the season will start this year. Mm-hmm. So I was thinking about this the other day because Pecorine is entering the final season of his contract with a five million dollar cap hit. And I was thinking to myself, Oh, that you know, that's a, you know, enough money to Sign him, you know, that to chip into signing Matias Ekholm. Then you remember, you see Saros and Dante Fabro need new contracts next year. So, you, you and have that's the, you and have that's, tons of space right now. But and then if you just if, because it, you have the space doesn't mean you have to use it. Th- this argument's going to sound like I'm very anti Matt Duchesne. I am not. I think when you are exposing players to an expansion draft, you have to be very shrewd. I think leaving James Neal exposed was a very shrewd move. But he only had one year left on his contract versus five or six I, or whatever it was. I'm with you. And guess what happened? They went to the cup. So I, I'm just saying, like, you have to be shrewd. So this is not an anti Duchesne rant or an anti Ekholm on your part or anti. It's all about business and it's all about trying to be very shrewd. And if you, by the time the expansion draft rolls around, Matt Duchesne will be 30 years old and will have a boatload of money left on his deal. You can leave him unprotected and protect Ekholm, even if you let him walk after a year. And then you say, you know what? If you take Duchesne, we we just freed up like $40 million. <laughs> if you don't, we still get to play with Matt Duchesne on our team and go try to win a cup. I, I just think, I think there's worse you, strategies than I that I think one. that if you are going to expose one of Ryan Johansson or Matt Duchesne, you better hope that Seattle <laughs> takes them. because Not to say that it wouldn't light a fire under their asses, but... You know how yeah, athletes know. are. Yeah. Like if I if I were they get their if, feelings hurt very easily. Yes, if I were if I were in charge, which I'm not, but if I were, I would I would do what it, I would do what it would take to get Seattle to take Matt Duchesne. Like you call up Ron Francis, the GM of the of the Kraken, and you say, Matt Duchesne, we are going to leave him exposed, and wink, wink. You, you know, he would be a very good fit for your team. <laughs> wink, wink. And if you here's can, some Hattie B's if hot you chicken. consider that, if you consider doing that, wink, we'll make it worth your while. Wink. You know, like that. That was your point with Ryan Johansson yes. too. So like which we, one? Which one is? Which have one I, have is more I con- valuable? Have I convinced you that it's Duchesne, the one that you should do that with? He's older. He's more expensive, and he's not as good. I'm sorry. I, I it's it's a toss up for me. But, like, I just think that if you are going to do that, you have to – I think you almost have to guarantee okay. that Seattle is going to take one of them. Okay. And the only way to do that is by sweetening the deal. 
by saying, I, I would hope we'll, that we'll take, we'll give you, well, you'll, you need to take Matt Duchesne. You need to take Ryan Johansson. And if you do that, we'll give you a second round pick. So a couple observations. Number one, if you are an athlete who makes seven or $8 million a year, your ego should be strong enough to handle being exposed in an expansion. One would think that. That's just my... One would think that. And number two, if you think that Matt Duchesne or Ryan Johansson would need to have pot sweeteners added to Seattle taking them, I think you're answering your question. You protect Matias Ekholm. That, that's what I'm hearing. Is that, is that wrong? Like, Do you see what I'm saying? Like, I, I think now that we've talked, we've talked our way through it, you make a very compelling argument. <laughs> I think that I, I, but my, like I said, I understand where you're coming from. I just think that it's a gamble. Either it's way. not like, worth protecting Ekholm for one more season unless you know you're going to resign him. And even then, even even if we were to, even if they were to do what you're proposing, I would still be hesitant to to sign Matias Ekholm long term. I mean, he doesn't have to be long term, but you have so much money tied up in your top pair. That that money needs to be allocated elsewhere. I, I just think of what you, how much freedom and flexibility you could have if Duchesne and Ekholm's contracts are both off the books. Right. And then, now again, you may be a bad hockey team at that point. Right. I'm just saying <laughs> so that's that, to be it, like, I just think that if you are, if you are going to leave one of them exposed, you have to guarantee okay. that they are going to be taken. And can you can you do some research for me when when the athletic puts together this whole mock draft they're about to do? Yes. Ask about either of those two players find out where they would fall on the list and and find out if do, do some digging and find out you know why Seattle wouldn't take Matt Duchesne if he is worth all that money and he's that good why would they not take him it, same thing with Ryan Johansson if you could if you could add it and you made the case in your article if you can add a top six center who's under contract who can be a building block piece for your team for a couple of years to sell to a new fan base why would you not take Ryan Johansson or Matt And to the Duchesne? point of Ryan Johansson, if you're Seattle, you can sell the fact that, as I mentioned in the article, Ryan is a, a, he's a BC guy. Yeah, he's a BC guy. He played for the Portland Winterhawks and the WHL, so he has ties to the Pacific Northwest. Um, so, look, I mean, this all will go away <laughs> if both of them rebound from their bad seasons. Yes. If, if they have great seasons or, on, or are on pace to have great seasons in a shortened season— then the question is answered. You're not going to you're not going to leave them exposed. But anyway, so uh, and and all of our expansion conversation comes to an end when we have hockey games to talk about. Exactly. Also. but look for that <laughs> next week on the Athletic. We will have our Very good. fifth mock expansion draft. Our you know we will put together a team based on all of the lists that the local writers have put together, and that I think it's going to come out on the 14th, which is Monday. Uh, some or it's definitely happening next week. I think it is coming out on Monday. So with your two projections, who gets picked? In your, if, in your, were, if you were guessing, because it I looks were, like Connor Ingram, Colton Sissons, Luke Cunningham are the top candidates. If I were going off the four, four, and one that I proposed, I would probably. I mean, honestly, I would probably take Luke Cunningham. Um, okay. Just because I think he has more upside. I know that's such a nebulous term in sports, but he has more upside than Colton Sissons. Now, Colton Sissons is under contract for longer. We don't know what Luke Cunningham's contract is yet because he doesn't have one, but you assume it's probably a bridge deal of some kind versus Colton Sissons who signed a seven-year higher, contract. Higher draft pick and younger player. I don't think I don't right. think using the word upside so is, a, is I think, a bad thing. I there. think 
I mean, I think it's either Cunnan or Sissons. If you do the four, four, and one, okay. If you do the seven, three, and one, it's going to be Ekholm. It's Ekholm. Okay. Like it. That's just okay. Like people, there were there were commenters who asked because in- Connor Ingram is eligible for the expansion draft, so he would be the goaltender that they would that they would expose. And people were asking me, well, you know, why wouldn't they take a shot on Ingram? Well, you look at some of the other goaltenders around the NHL who yeah. are, are going to be available. Corey Crawford, right. Jake Allen, um, Cam Talbot, yep. Semyon Varlamov, like actual NHL goaltenders. Here's the thing. If you told me, for, forget the money in the contract. Also, Oskarov being in the pipeline. If they helps. were to lose Ingram, which is not going to happen in my opinion, then it, you yeah. know, it softens the blow. You, anyway. feel, you feel pretty good. Um, I, I just, hearing you say... Like again, I think of Johansson, Duchesne, and Ekholm, and I think about what the team looks like without that guy. And the one I feel the worst about is Ekholm leaving. <laughs> That's, right, because there's no of, there's no analysis there. There's no contractual. Because you think of you, know, you think of what their defense would I look know, like, I know. and they and they don't have, you know, they don't have. You're a, asking a lot of Dante Fabry, right? You don't right. have a Roman Yossi, Ryan Ellis, Matias Ekholm type waiting in the wings. Right. I mean. You you would I mean would, Davies and Carrier are nice. I mean you would rebuild around. I mean you would have a top pair of Yossi and Alice. You would give Dante Fabro more responsibility. You have you know David Ference. You know you hope that you sign him after he finishes his career with Boston University. That's right, but he's not him. going to be a Matias Ekholm type. You know they don't have a Matias no. Ekholm type. So I get I get I get that. I also like what he does within the four guys that are there. He does something different than the other guys. He's a do, nasty bastard. Which is the six four, two hundred pound nasty bastard. If, if I if you so. were if you were if if I were if I, I were I, I, I want him on my team. Man. If I were to pick <laughs> a, a Predators player to back me up in a bar fight, he would be my uh, first choice. A hundred percent. All right, let's get to name searching and then wrap up this 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 silly argument we've just had for, for thirty five minutes. Um, we talked about this on the. I don't even remember which episode we did. I think this was It was on, the last episode. No, two episodes I think it ago. was Tales from the Preds Locker Room, which yes. we recommend everybody go listen to. A lot of fun insight into our lives and, play, and Preds players' personalities and so on and so forth. But one of, the, one of the things we talked about was, at the start of that episode, I believe, was do you tag players in stories that you write on the web? And you'll, you are a never tagger. I am also a never tagger in general. I don't tag you know, organizations or bowl games or players or anything and anything I'm talking about when I'm trying to have a conversation on Twitter about sports. If I'm congratulating somebody on an award where I'm acting more as a fan or a person of a city or whatever, then maybe I tag. You found a tweet from a new predator. Yeah. Which has since been deleted, I just discovered. Oh. So we talked about name searching, and my rule, as you said, was I never tag because athletes name search, and if they want to find something, they are going to find it. So I was, and you're I, available. I have I have tweet deck up, you know, on my many tabs the other day, and it was refreshing, and I saw a tweet from Nick Cousins, a quote tweet from Nick Cousins, talking about there was a conversation. You know, a couple of analytically inclined writers. I I did not recognize who they were. Um, but they were having a conversation about the Canadians power play. And of course, Nick Cousins, a former member of the Montreal Canadiens. Um, and Nick Cousins, I believe, was a on the power play for Montreal uh, when he was there, at least for a period of time. And, you know, at some point in the conversation, these two writers were having Nick Cousins came up like, you know, if you have Nick Cousins on your first power play, you've got a problem or something like it, that. It was not kind to which he quote tweeted. Something to the effect of, oh, I haven't seen your name on Hockey DB or something like that. It, it was very cliche. Um, 
it, it was very much like you've never been on the field. You don't know what you're talking about, writer guy. So here's thing, which is actually fairly. So cliche here's what's interesting. If you're listening and you can look this up on your computer at the same time, there was a tweet there. This was retweeted into my timeline. Austin Egri at at Austin, A-U-S-T-I-N, Egri, E-G-R-I, tweeted something three days ago. It was uh, December 5th saying, so I think T underscore Thomas 91 is Nick Cousins burner or someone quite, cl- quite close to him. For starters, really? the account almost exclusively name searches Nick Cousins slander on this website. And it's like a seven or eight <laughs> tweet thread attempting to disclose. It's funny because at the bottom, he, the guy goes, and I'm blocked. And he goes, update, this has made it to r slash hockey, which is Reddit. Someone commented, this might be Michael Cousins, Nick's brother. <laughs> I checked HockeyDB and I'm Elite Prospects lost. and couldn't confirm if his birth year is 91. I am also blocked by Michael. We have a new candidate. So that's another thing. I'm so lost. That, I mean, anyway, but that's another thing that we did not really talk about. Burner accounts. I mean, they, they do have, you know, athletes do have burner accounts. I think the most oh, famous yeah. example was... Kevin Durant a couple of years ago. Oh, yeah, ago, yeah, for sure. Like, tweeted something from his own account, which was, I think, he meant from a burner account. Right. I think he denied it, but it was oh, pretty all clear. these people have burner accounts. Oh, they have burner Politicians, accounts. Politicians, they all have burners. But yeah. my, that was exactly my point. Except for Is, Hugh Freeze. Yes, exactly. Although that, now he does. But Nick Cousins proves my point. And I don't know Nick Cousins. I, I haven't yet met him. Um, but he, you know, that proved my point that – if an athlete wants to find something about them, they are going to find it. And and the interesting thing, as we, we discussed when I first brought it to your attention a few days ago, was that was Nick Cousins' first original tweet, meaning not a retweet or, you know, not a retweet. Right. In like four months. <laughs> so that's why it shocked me that it was there because I, it had been so long since he tweeted. I honestly think that most players would be willing to have a totally open conversation about social media etiquette and name searching and you know do they want to be tagged like i think if you just approach a player and this speaks to all of our content about players if you're being critical or not or whatever if you just approach them and not make it personal and just say hey are you do you do you search on twitter for your name and or or do would you prefer us tag you in tweets like i think they would just have a regular conversation with you about it I, i don't think it would be now this coming from the best worst trash talker in the nhl is kind of funny yes that part is the funny part but I, I docked points because, as you said, the the retort was not original. Yeah. It was the well, I you know you you haven't played, so what do you know? Which is, which strikes me as the best worst trash talk. Yes, or the worst best trash but, talk. You know. know. Anyway, so that just you know, <laughs> Nick Cousins proves my point that if you that if you are an athlete, you will name search, so I don't need to tag you because you will find it. So oh, period the end. We're going to have hockey. There's an expansion draft. Check out The Athletic, of course, for all the information. Pierre Lebrun breaking all kinds of great news all over the place. you got Scott Burnside, Adam Vingan, of course, as well, at Adam Vingan on Twitter. Please pay for good journalism, of course, at The Athletic. My name is Braden Gall. Please rate, review, and subscribe to the show. Tell all your friends about The Gold Standard, the best Preds podcast in the world. I don't think that's hyperbole, Adam. I, I think it's the best podcast in the world about the Nashville <laughs> Predators. So... There are, there are plenty of good ones, but you are here Not that I know of. Um, rate, review, and subscribe, of course, to the show. His name's Adam Bingen. My name's Braden Gall. Thank you for listening. This has been the Gold Standard on the 440 Sports Network.